Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast. My name is Michael Obeir. Today is September 30th, 2019. I will be your guide for the rest of this program. At Emerging Temple broadcast, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan and purpose for mankind. What plan is to conform us to his attitude, his ways, and to be like him in our deeds and in our thoughts. Today, we're going to be analyzing the situation with children. But before we go into that, I want to encourage you to like our channel, subscribe to our channel, and hit the bell icon at the bottom of your screen so you can be notified anytime we upload new videos. I also want to encourage you to go to patreon.com and look for our handle, Emerging Temple, so you can support us, okay? We have seen daily an increase in rebellion with children towards their parents, towards authorities, towards teachers, and we seem to be unable to stem the tide. It doesn't matter the class of society. This is, this is something that is actually a worldwide phenomenon. It maybe it's in, maybe it's because of the music, maybe it's because of uh, wh whatever it is. But what we want to do here today is discuss this topic within the context of God's word and see how we'll be able to save some of these young people from going down the path of destruction. As we often do, I like to begin with a little um, video clip that kind of exemplifies what it is we're talking about. So let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at this um, clip. Right in my arm, and that hurt. You don't give me the right to strike me with your elbow. Dude, the first time you went like that to me, I ignored it, and you jabbed me again. I didn't jab you. And I could you. see where it was going, and what I said to you, and this was a word of warning. I jabbed you, I did not jab you, I you was, jabbed me. I was petrified, and what I said to you is, Physical acts of aggression get taken very seriously on an airplane. I if you she... begin to get aggressive, they will put handcuffs on you. I was getting your attention. I did this. I was tapping your arm with my elbow. I had and you went like that. I had told you on more than one occasion that I wasn't putting the volume down. Well, you know what? I kept asking because it was driving me crazy. So then you decided to do this. And after the second one, I gave you one back as a way to say, Stop it. So and you said that's enough? Exactly. No, yeah, you got my attention, but I'm not a dog. So why don't you heed my suggestions of stop it when I ask politely? Because you're not the complete boss of me. I control my body, I control what I do, and you don't have the right to hit me that hard. I lightly tapped your arm with my elbow. Stop, let me talk. I lightly tapped your arm with my elbow to get your attention, bam, right in my arm. It actually left a mark for about 20 minutes. About 20 minutes later, it was finally okay, fading. backing up, you said you're not the boss of me. I am the boss of you. When a mother says to be quiet, she's the boss of you, and you need to listen to that. Bottom I line, never said when a teacher says something, she's the boss of you, and you need to listen. Shut up! Give me a turn to speak! Fine, see? You do that to me. How does it feel? How does it feel to be told to 
Shut up! We've talked about it. Let me speak! How does that feel? How does that feel? Do not put your hands on me. Do you understand me? Do you understand me? No, I asked you a question. You know what? Shut up! Apparently that's the only word that gets your attention. How does that make you feel? I, of course, always knew that there was a, an incredible amount of rage and anger there, but the depths of it surprised me. And of course, when he raised his hand and slapped me across the face, that absolutely surprised me. Friends, let's look at what God says about this, this sort of behavior. This is Exodus chapter 20, okay? And in, let's see, in verse 12, there you go, in verse 12, let's see what God says. He says, right here, it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, so your days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, you know, this is the only commandment where a reason is given by God for why he's giving you a commandment, okay? Because I think God probably knows children always love to ask questions. Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? So he goes out of his way just in this one to give you a reason. Now, you see children being shot by children. You see children coming to school with guns, killing children. It's like children nowadays are talking about things like, I, 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 if, I hope I live to 30. These things are straight, straight from our rebellion against God. And in the school system that you take your children to, they don't want this taught there. They don't want anything about God taught there. And the bottom line is education that is not founded on morality is no education at all. It's no training, it's no preparation at all. And if the school system where you take your children to every day is not going to make your child a better moral character, you have only yourself to blame if you take that child there every day. There is no commandment from God that you take your child to a school that doesn't teach he or her anything, he or she, anything about morality and about God. The excuse that we have different religious denominations and so what will you teach is a wash. You need to teach children that there is a spiritual power, a higher power, a higher consciousness to whom they will ultimately give account to either in this life or in the life to come. 
all the things going on, children on drugs, children feeling lonely, children wanting to commit suicide. These things come not because they don't have toys, not because you didn't buy them all the best Xboxes and Nintendo and all of that. It becomes because there's an emptiness, there's a void. There's a lack of meaning that evolution can never, ever fill. Neither can all the toys in the world fill. But the mind of God, as expressed by his word, that will fill things for you. Let's take a look at one more. And we'll, we'll see what happens here where a father brings his son and daughter to work it's to help at the at the office hold my jacket and i'm, I'm leaving just so you know because i don't clean the toilet you make me scrub all this you've you've just got me to my limit like i'm trying so hard to deck you in the face like, i'm about to put a hole in this wall i was just like i can't take it anymore and then yeah i just went crazy i'm not playing anymore get it now no all right then i'm finding no. when nick was uh, screaming and yelling uh, I really wanted to calm him down. This is my place of work. I don't want to have an embarrassing scene. You got to watch your language. No, I don't have to watch my language. You brought me to your place of business. You wanted this to happen. You gave me this knowing that I would go the hell off. I will break this window. I don't care. I'm not staying here. That's a son talking to his father. Friends, do you know that in ancient Rome, until you got married, your father literally had the power of death over you, literally. Do you know what God gave as a consequence for this sort of behavior? God said that such young people should be taken out and stoned. Now, I want to say something. In the Old Testament, there are two kinds of laws. They're the moral laws, and then they're the ceremonial laws. The ceremonial laws have been taken out of the way, but the moral laws will never be taken out of the way. And that was why Jesus himself said, don't think I came to abolish the law. He was talking about the moral laws, like don't steal, okay? Like honor your father and mother, okay? Those are the moral laws. He says, I didn't come to abolish those but I came to fulfill them. That means to give us the ability to do those things that God wants us to do morally. So if you are there encouraging your child to be rude to teachers or to stand up to another parent or something, if you guys are separated or whatever it is, you're not doing anything to the teacher or the other parent you're actually destroying your own child and you will pay for that. And that child, unfortunately, will have to pay for your foolishness. Let's look at a story in the Bible that encapsulates what we're talking about. This is the story of the prophet Jeremiah. And, um, God is angry with the children of Israel because they don't listen to what he said. But within Israel, there's an immigrant community called the Rechabites. 
and they've lived in Israel as, as immigrants for a while, but they keep their culture. And their culture was founded upon what their ancestor had commanded them to do and not to do. And God knew what their ancestor had told them and sent his prophet Jeremiah to call them to do the opposite of what their ancestor had told them. And it's very funny how they respond to the prophet, okay? Verse one to 10, and then it's gonna be verse 16 to 19, book of Jeremiah chapter 35, okay? All right. Okay, it says, the word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, go unto the house of the Rechabites and speak unto them and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jezaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazinah and his brethren and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the sons of Igdalia, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the prince of the princes, which was above the chamber of Manasseh, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. And I, be patient with me. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites, pots full of wine and cups. And I said to them, drink ye wine. But they said, we will drink no wine. For now remember God had told the prophet to tell them to come and drink wine. Verse six, they said, but they said, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us saying, ye shall not, you shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Verse seven, neither shall ye build houses, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any, but all your days ye shall live in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. They were immigrants. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jeho Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he hath charged us to drink no wine all our days. We, our wives, wives actually did what their husbands told them then, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in. Neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed, but we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. So now let's go to verse 16. Be, this is now, because the sons of Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he command, this is God speaking, which he commanded them. But these people have not hearkened unto me. These people being in the children of Israel. Verse 17, therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, all the evil that I have pronounced against them because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard. And I have called unto them but they have not answered. Verse 13, 18, I'm sorry. And Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the commandment of Jehonadab your father, that, yes, Jehonadab your father, 
and kept all his precepts and done according to all that he had commanded you. Therefore, thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never want for a man to stand before me forever. Friends, think about this. These people were not even Israelites. Okay? But they honored their father's words. And there was a blessing. And you go to church. And you take your children to church. Or mosque. Or synagogue. Or temple. But you let your children run riot. Your child comes back home and says, my teacher did this. And the next thing you get into your car, go to the school to tell the teacher off. No. Even if the teacher is wrong, you should never let your child feel the teacher is wrong. Go to the teacher by yourself and speak to the teacher, but never give your child the impression that the instructor is wrong. You shouldn't even have your children in those public schools that don't even have talk about God and righteousness anyway. But even if you did, even if you did, then you need to sit on top of them, okay? And make sure that they also have a moral upbringing when they come back home, okay? All right, let's look at um, another, another um, scripture I'd like to share with us, okay? Now, before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about the consequences of the things we're talking about. These children are going to, are, are growing up without a sense of what is wrong or what is right. You see, school cannot inculcate right from wrong in a person. They can tell you. But the only thing that can inculcate, that can put it inside, of you is a spirit and what God has said are not just words they have a life form in themselves and when that little child is two years old three years old four years old five years old you don't even have to be a good person to teach your child to be a good person and I want to say something briefly to those who say, my mom is no children, say my mother was no good, or my dad's a deadbeat, or whatever. Look, God didn't say what kind of parent you should honor. I don't care if your dad is a drunk, a bum that gets drunk and falls into a gutter and goes to sleep. God has a reason why that's your father. And to the women, I want to say, it doesn't matter if the man has not paid child support, has not done this, has not been there for the children and all of these things, never, ever say negative things about the father to their child, to the child. You're not doing yourself any good and you're not even hurting the man. You're destroying the child. And to the men out there, no matter what the woman has done, no matter what the mother of a child has done, 
Under no circumstances does God want to see you or hear you say anything negative about a mother to the child. I know it's tough, but absolutely under no circumstances should you do that. You know, God has a, a scripture that I, I don't have it with me here, but I can find it for us and you can search for it yourself. But he says somewhere, he says, do not cook a baby lamb or baby goat in the milk of its mother. I mean, we might say that's insult upon injury. In other words, do not deprecate a person's father or mother. Regardless of what you know about them, never do that. And that's what we're doing. And women, if a child's father is still alive, and you're married to someone else, do not try to cut off the real father and bring a make-believe father. If the father is dead, that's a different thing. But children need their father and they need their mother. Once a boy has reached a certain age, we must make certain that he's been trained by his father. By his father is there influencing him. When I say trained, I don't mean he lives with his father. It doesn't, that doesn't, exist, but he's accountable to his father. When a girl is at a certain age, we need her to be trained by her father. She needs to be accountable to her father. This is what God is saying. And do you know that the very last verses of the, of the scriptures, the Old Testament, was a warning from God about today saying that if we didn't write this, if we didn't correct this, he was going to put a curse on this earth. Let's take a look at that. We'll take it from Malachi chapter four, okay? We'll take it from verse five and six, which is the very last verses of the scripture, okay? Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Now remember, Elijah had already gone up to heaven at this time, so it can't be talking about the physical Elijah that was once here. But it's referring to the dynamics and the power and, and, and uh, charisma by which Elijah operated. God is going to release that upon the earth on some people so that they can act as the vanguard to bring people, one, spiritually back to God, and secondly, naturally, back to their natural fathers. Verse five, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of the Messiah, Isa al-Masihu. Verse six, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. Notice that. Turn the heart of the fathers to the children. Why? Because if a father's heart turns against his children and he curses them in the heart, ooh, ooh, and this is going on. This is happening. This is happening. Read the life story of many people who've been successful, but who had hurt their father so deeply. Look at Canaan, the 
a curse was placed by Noah on Canaan, his own grandson, in a moment of rage. And that pain and that curse on Canaan could never be taken away until Jesus came. And when Jesus came, that curse was taken away. But up until that time, see what happened to Canaan. They lost their land. They went through all kinds of things. All from the pronouncement of who? Noah, the grandfather. Okay, verse 6 again. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Friends, I want to encourage us to stop playing with God. These events that are going on around us, these things going on around us, are not happening in a vacuum in which God is oblivious. These things going on around us are operating and happening right under the very eyes of God. And he has given us a word by which we're able to correct ourselves and to correct our children and to protect ourselves from what is coming. This is part of the strategy of the Antichrist, to break and destroy the moral fabric of the individual and the family unit. And we don't have to roll over and accept this. Remember what we said about emerging temples. Emerging Temple seeks to analyze current events within the context of God's purpose for mankind. That's what we're doing now. Not only to analyze it, but to show us what exactly that purpose is. And what did we say it was? To make us like God. So whatever we're going through, the travails we're going through, the the, the hardship we're going through, whatever it is, it's all a plan. It's all a program that the Antichrist means for evil, but God means for good. I'm going to leave you with one more scripture, and after that, uh, we'll be on our way, okay? Now, let's look at... Um, let's look at... Luke chapter 2. Okay. All right. We'll take it from verse 43. And this is about Jesus. Jesus came to be an example to the children. So this story is put here for us to show our children that even Jesus, when he was a child, had to submit to Mary and Joseph. Verse 43, okay, we're going to read Luke chapter 2, verse 43 to 52. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew of it. Well, they were informed that, hey, look, your kids, your child is still in, um, in Jerusalem. Verse 44, but they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they returned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. 
verse 47, and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, that's the parents, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And Jesus said unto them, How is it that you looked for me? You sought me. Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Didn't you know I'll be going about God's business? Verse 50. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. They didn't understand the depth of what he was saying. Verse 51. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, notice Jesus was in church about the business of God. Okay, He wasn't out in town fooling around. He was in church where his parents came and looked for him and said, look, we need to go home. He didn't say, well, you know, I'm Jesus. You know, you guys can't tell me what to do. No, he submitted to them. Okay, we need to show children these. How many children know this about Jesus? They need to know. Don't take for, don't just assume that children know this. We need to share these things with them. So friends, once again, I want to thank you for your time. And hopefully you share this video with your friends. Um, you're not sharing me. You're sharing, you know, God's solution to problems that people are having. So I want to encourage you, um, watch this video, share it with your family and friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like, and don't forget to support us if you want to by going to patreon.com and clicking on the going and clicking on the um, handle for um, emerging temple. Okay. God bless you all. And uh, we'll be talking to you um, tomorrow. Remember, we uh, we come up, come on every uh, every weekday, and we upload new videos at least once a day. So please keep checking in with us. And like I said, share these videos, you know, with others. Once again, my name is Michael Obeya. I've been your guide and I hope you've had a good time.